Api Palawinia. A fantastic point on the road to keep the entitled Brighton fans, who have always watched their club play the beautiful game since this first sun rose over those green hills of Falmer, still looking for a Premier League win against Cesspit Fulham. Bunch of crybabies, honestly. While our first half wasn't pretty with some gross misconduct from Zhao and some seriously lacklustre play, Marco and our boys in pink turned it around and could have even nicked it in the second half. Some lessons learned from this game for sure. Awobi as the 8 rather than the 10, Munis worthy of a start, Bassi redemption and Leno with some ghoulish cramp. With me to discuss Brighton with a look to Ipswich and Manchester United are Dylan Chavas and Matthew Stato Arta. I'm Jay Mack and this is your Fulham Focus Podcast. Fulham. Right, it's quite um, a really good result, like I just said in the introduction there. But just also just really quite fun to see how we've really pissed these fans off again. Um, just your opening thoughts on this, Stato. It's, it's quite, it's been a bit of a laugh on social media, hasn't it? Yeah, it's, it's been hilarious. Um, I was actually in the home end yesterday because I had tickets to a family friend who's a Brighton season ticket holder. Right. And normally I, I hate I hate doing that because it's... You don't. I, I was just looking over at the at the away end, just you know, in envy that I couldn't be there, like shouting and screaming with, with the Fulham fans. Um, but actually, this time around, it was quite enjoyable because the Brighton fans just got so rattled in that second half, and everyone around me was just effing and blinding and just getting so pissed off with, with what we were doing on the pitch. Which I don't even think was that bad, but they just got so annoyed, and I was just sat there, just kind of quietly laughing to myself and just <laughs> sniggering, and yeah, it was it was really quite enjoyable to hear. Um, you know, it was it was it was a really good performance for us in that second half, and you know they can whinge your mind, but whinge your mind, but at the end of the day, I think a draw was a really fair result on the face of it. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And I think it's funny you mentioned how they were getting pissed off. It felt like the, the stream I was using, I think a lot of people were using this stream, the commentators were getting really pissed off with Fulham in general as well. It sounded like, actually, they just they were Brighton fans, in all honesty, and they were just, they just cut, started... At one point, they were talking about a rainbow that was over their corner technique, and I was like, what the hell is going on? And then, yeah, just they just wouldn't stop talking about how evil Polina was for his tackle and all this sort of nonsense. Anyway, I'm... Uh, I'm Getting skipping ahead a bit there, Dylan. Just your opening thoughts on this game, sir. Yeah, yeah, pretty much the same as Stato. To be fair, it is always funny how it just just seems to be like Brighton fans are some sort of particular agenda against Fulham and the way we <laughs> seem to play against them. I don't think they really understand that you know both teams are trying to win the game and that we're obviously going to play in different ways. And you know they they complain that oh you know foul play and officials are biased, whatever, whatever. I think uh, in January it'll actually be seven years since they last beat us, so you know, maybe uh, maybe time for them to try and try something new, much seven like much years. like we've been doing. Yeah, I think the last I think, time I think they it's beat us was. A bit. I think it's yeah. the fact that like, we've never beaten them in the Premier League, or they've never beaten us in the Premier League. It's getting to them a bit. That's why they're getting so annoyed. Even with us even now. when we've been at our worst in the Premier League, they haven't got a single result against us. They've had a few draws, yeah, sure, but yeah, never a win. It's just it's fattening them a little bit. That we're we're kind of a little bit their bogey team. Mm, definitely. So with that, I suppose we should go straight into the main complaint of the Seagull fans and you know the biased commentators, like I said, the, that foul on Gross. I mean, do we think we got away with one there, Stato? I, I've seen some some stuff on Sky Sports today talking about whether it was a, a red card or not. I think the majority of people said it was a yellow on that show. I wasn't really listening to it. I'll just I'm just happy. I'm just happy we got away with it. Um, I think, without trying to be too much full and biased towards it, I don't think it was a red card. I, When I saw it live, I didn't think anything of it. But then looking at the replays after the game, yes, he elbowed him in the face. But number one, I don't think it was intentional. Number two, his arm wasn't kind of out and extended in a way that would show intent or violent you know, play. And number three, kind of, as he put his elbow out, Gross at the same time ran into him. So it was kind of just an unfortunate coming together that involved an elbow and a face. Yeah. It didn't look like there was anything um, actually yeah. malicious or intentional, did it, did it? No, I don't think so. I mean, it's so hard now to really, you know, there's no way of determining what's a yellow, what's a red anymore, because it seems to be like different rules every week. Um, but yeah, I'm the same as Stato again. I, I didn't really think it was a red. But then again, that probably does get given at another time. But um, yeah, it was it was probably the correct call that he stayed on the pitch. And 
luckily uh, it worked in our favour, of course. Well, I suppose what rubbed it in even more, um, we're going straight into the highlights, obviously we'll get into a bit more depth in a second, but I mean, Polinia's hero moment, I mean, just after after getting away of that and then scoring our point, uh, <laughs> the hero moment, which won us the point, more badge tapping and pure passion from him, which is good to see. Um, I, I don't know, that, uh, probably I can imagine the fans next to you were annoyed even more by that. Uh, <laughs> he shouldn't even be on the pitch, for fuck's sake, I can imagine them screaming. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um when that goal went in, there was just pure silence around the stadium. And Love that. Yeah, the, the thing with Brighton fans, what I found... <laughs> it, this, is like, this, is like, this, is, this is a bit like a, uh, an exploratory David Attenborough documentary where I spent time with, with yeah. an alternative trial. Yeah, you can see. <laughs> that. Exactly. Watching their team, they're very kind of patient about the way that they play because I guess it's the way that Brighton play. But, you know, there's also not much, you know, things change really quickly. As soon as that goal went in, they then started to turn on their team almost that, you know, instead of them, they would play that lovely passing game supposedly, but then when that goal went in, suddenly they grew very impatient and then they grew very, you know, hostile towards their own team about being like, what, you know, start attacking them, they're there for the taking, mm. you know, why are we wasting the ball? And, you know, that all came from us suddenly scoring that goal and actually showing up for a bit in that second half and yeah you know that second half particularly important those subs that really changed the game and kind of changed the dynamic of the, of the whole game and what the and how the atmosphere was like in the stadium as well yeah absolutely I mean, we'll, we'll quickly come on to that in a second i just want to go to dylan because i with the the, the the passion that palenia showed again it was very reminiscent a bit of of the um of the equaliser we scored against Arsenal. And that was, uh, I mean, that was a wonderful, wonderful moment. I'm sure it was the same for us fans that are in the away end. It's kind of a bit of a sign, really, that he's not going anywhere in January, is he? There are rumours that, you know, Bayern have now pulled out. Oh, and just, I, I just not. Don't, no, I don't think so. I don't think so. Not, definitely But then not. you would have you would have also said that when you saw him tapping the badge away at Arsenal and then four days, five days later, he was in Germany, wasn't he? But I just, I'm sure with this new contract, that means at least for January... He, he's, yeah. he's staying where he is and I, I really hope that's the case it's funny with Pellini I mean I think he has made 10 tackles this game which is the most of any any midfield mm. or any player in the he's, Premier League oh, yeah so he's back on right? top of the, the charts now yeah he's got he's got 45 and I think Nakamba from Luton's got 37 or something so he moved yeah. back to the top yesterday it, it's a weird one Stato because I feel like when Pellini scores in a game we never lose, or and we always win. And I looked it up, and actually, that's true. We haven't yeah, lost. Yeah, we haven't. Lost. We haven't lost. That's right. Yeah, I mean, it, it feels like when Polina is on it, I never really. And I'm not worried. I mean, I saw actually someone say this online, but I don't feel like there's any any problem of uh, what's the word jinxing this as such. But like, if it, it, we always feel in safe hands when if Polina scored a goal, it means that he's definitely on the case for us, and I never feel like we're in danger of losing the game. Absolutely. I thought, you know, throughout the game, Brighton looked quite passive going forward and, and going forward to attack. And I was like, well, they're not... This, this magical Brighton that people talk about, that you know, they rave about that, you know, they play this amazing game. But then actually, as the game progressed, it, it occurred to me and dawned on me that actually it's because we have Palinho in the team there sniffling out and stifling out all those attacks that they're doing. Like, he was everywhere. He... All those, you know, I think he said, was it 10 tackles or, or something ridiculous like that in a game? He was just everywhere, and then you know, when we'd be going forward and Brighton would be on the counter attack, and we, you know, one of our defenders is out of position. He was there covering, you know, he was there covering for Robinson at left back. He was there covering when Bassi went and did one of his marauding runs forward, and he was just there just to shut down every single Brighton attack. And you know, it's really made you appreciate that we have a really top player in his prime on our hands here, and. Yeah. If he goes in January, I won't kind of have any hard feelings about it because what we've got, you know, we, we can enjoy it while while it lasts. But like you said, I don't think he will leave now. Um, no. The badge tapping is great. He's you know he's a good, passionate, emotional player who 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 would do, who would do that regardless. I think. I agree. You know, I think kind of extends uh, to the way he plays as well, doesn't it? And, well, yeah, exactly. But I also feel like going back to what you straight back to what you were saying earlier, then Stato, is that his his. His build-up for the goal was actually, you know, it was he, he it was a wasn't a sort of move that you particularly see or expect of him all the time. We were 
like you mentioned, that we made those three substitutions and we suddenly became so much more aggressive on the ball and we wouldn't give Brighton players any time of day with their passing. So we actually, our pressing became much better and the move actually all started from Polina pressing them off the ball and then obviously it won't be doing that wonderful move and, and, and setting up the goal. And we were lacking so much in that first half, it seemed to me. Willian was just doing everything right up to the last second like he usually has been doing recently. I mean, still a lot of energy there, but just also making the wrong decision. And Robinson, as far as I'm concerned, was having a complete mare. Um, just really, it's funny because he turned things around when you actually look at the stats of Robinson, they're actually a lot better by the end of the game. But... Yeah, just we were lacking so much in that first half. And then with everything, the changes we made, I think it was in the 58th minute, it really go to show that, that, that there were some things that we learned from that. And I think what we learned maybe was how Iwobi, um, as good and promising he is in the 10 position, he was very, very comfortable in that number eight role next to Polina, wasn't he? Yeah, uh, uh, yeah, absolutely. I think the changes made, if you look at them one by one and how we changed tactically, it, it kind of all reflected on how we needed to improve to try and get a result out of that game. In that first half, the midfield of, you know, Palinia Reed and Iwobi wasn't bad. Reed, you know, did his usual Reed performance, made himself look busy, put himself about. And then Iwobi in the 10, it wasn't as effective as I'd hope it would be. He wasn't getting the ball that much. There was a bit of disconnect between him and Jimenez going forward. Jimenez himself, bless him, he's not really doing anything at the moment. It, it feels like he has a disconnect with, with quite a lot of people, to be honest. Uh, yeah, like he just kind of was drifting around the middle of the pitch. He won a few headers, did put himself about a little bit. but it, There was, there was that was nice just... bit at the beginning, wasn't there? There was a link-up play where um, Jimenez lays it off like with a back heel to Wobby and Wobby doesn't do anything. And that looked really nice, and that was quite soon into the game. But other than that, I wasn't really, you know... Yeah, well, it wasn't it wasn't really clicking, and then you know the third sub, Bobby from Wilson, Bobby, he you know he he put he normally puts in a good performance. He was a bit below it yesterday. Just one of those games, where I think I just think it wasn't working out for him. So actually bringing on all the three of those subs and suddenly changing them around, suddenly you have Iwobi moving back to that eight, well, you know, more of that box to box midfielder, which freed up Pereira, who is a bit more aggressive than Iwobi. He can kind of chase those balls and. You know, close the attacks down a lot more. And then, of course, you had Muniz coming on as well, who just made himself so busy and yeah. aggressive. And I'm not saying he's better than Jimenez, but he he made his presence known on the pitch. And Well, that's the thing, isn't it? I'll go to you on this, Dylan. What are your thoughts on Muniz this game? Because I just feel like we're at a stage where I'm, I'm up for just putting Muniz or giving Muniz a start soon. I feel like even though he does just throw himself around with maybe... Not headless chicken, but I mean, with real mm. less substance <laughs> yeah. than people are saying. But I, I feel like at least it's good to. I, I, look, I look at him and I think, oh, well, he is actually doing something. Yeah, he's trying, you know? isn't he? Yeah. He's trying at least, which is, I don't know, I'm not accusing others of not trying, but he looks like enthusiastic. Seems like a bright spark. And it's almost like he's got that sort of, not unpredictability about him, that air of unpredictability, but like he gets the ball, you've, you've got no idea. Really, you know whether he's going to just shoot from range, and he feels like he, he he's a risk taker when he plays, which is which is quite good to see, quite refreshing. Uh, obviously, you you predicted him to score when he came on, and he was. I know. He, uh, was he came very game. close. Yeah. I know. I know. Uh, um, that would have been great, but yeah, I, I think you know, it, you know, we've got Ipswich in the cup on Wednesday, haven't we? So if you're going to give him a game or a start, I guess that would be the game to do it in. You know. Let the let the guys who have been you know starting elite games um, take a rest and and just see what he can do really you know the only way we're going to find out is by playing him and we're never gonna know if he's just sat on the bench I think it's yeah definitely a risk worth taking we paid money for him so hopefully we we can get a bit of like you know a product in the Premier League well he's actually our most expensive striker on, on, yeah. on, that we have oh, wow. so, that we oh, paid God. for of course though yeah I mean the, the only kind of word of caution I'd say about you know I want to see Munich start because nothing else is working, and I agree with that with that sentiment. Mm. But at the same time, that sounds eerily similar to that disastrous Premier League season under Vanieri, where it got to the point where it was like, let's start Ibrahimi Cisse because none of our midfielders yeah. are working. So it's like, yeah. okay, let's give him a go, and it feels a bit like that. But at the same time, it's not because the performance that Munich put in yesterday, and arguably in his other little cameos that he's done the several other season. 
he's actually shown something and it, it shows that there could be potential there is something there, there yeah there, there is. is something and I, I don't know what it is it's, I don't know if it's just his positioning or it's just maybe his energy and his enthusiasm yeah. and that can tail off quite quickly like a bit like Jimenez is maybe if yeah. he's not scoring it, it, after a few it's, games it's even the fact that he came on and like he got booked and it's like well you know he just he's just pushing around the defenders and you know getting fouls like that which sure that's not really what you want to see from your striker but He's making his presence known at least, and yeah. when we're playing in a system where it doesn't, it's not favouring Jimenez because we're not really playing balls into feet for the strike to get you know on on the end of chances. You know, in any of our games, we're not kind of creating those chances for strikers to score. That can that can be the same said for all three of our strikers, but at least with Muniz, he's doing something and you know chasing those balls down, trying to create those chances himself. You know that little back hill thing. You know that was all came from him. Just you know, can you imagine how and, depressed? Oh. How depressed? No, no. How great we'd feel, but how depressed Jimenez would feel if something like that went in. I swear, Jimenez is trying overhead kicks and back heels all the time. I think if mm. Muniz scores an overhead kick soon, and not Jimenez, it's gonna be. I feel. I feel really. I'm gonna feel really sorry for him, but very happy at the same time. Uh, <laughs> but yeah. I, I, I don't know, like. It's weird. It's it's weird wanting Muniz to start because I don't feel like it's the same sort of reckless decision making that I was making years and years ago when I thought we should get Stephen Humphreys off the <laughs> off the bench. Wow. You know what I mean? I, it's not. Fast. No, yeah, but that's the sort. Of, I don't feel it's like that sort of reckless in thinking that. Yeah. I feel like there is something. It's not like, like it's not. You- like you said, it's not like when we went down and you know we were bringing what fifteen-year-old Harvey Elliott off the bench to try and change a game. No, or, this you is, know, I mean, starting Ibrahim Asita. There's actually there's logic behind this one at least. I well, think, this this is, is a this is a striker that was you know wanted by Marcus Silva. Had, yes, yeah. was really highly touted despite not scoring a huge amount of goals for was it Flam- uh, Flamengo, wasn't it? Is that right? Yeah, Flamengo, Fl- Fluminense, one of those. Fluminense. I think it was Flamengo. Yeah. Um, so I just feel like hopefully. If he does get picked soon as a start, and probably Ipswich would be the best game to do it, but I, I think, I think we might go. We don't know actually know what happened to Vinicius. Is there any word on that? I think it was a minor injury, Marco said, but it's nothing okay. serious, so he should be back soon. Okay. Um, I think I think the only if if we're rotating between three strikers, it's clear it's clear to see that we don't have that settled striker that is missing you know, from this team. It's the gap that it's a it's a metro void that still exists. Yeah. And. I think Muniz could be kind of the best kind of plaster to stick over that crack until January at least, which we're in November now. I think it's only about, I say only, it's it's like 10 or so league games until January. Probably a, maybe a bit less. Yeah. Factor in the fact yeah, that we'll probably, if, right. we, if, if we do sign a striker in January, it will be on deadline day. So we've got to go through the whole of January anyway. Well, so. there are already rumours of Tammy Abraham starting. So yeah. that, I mean, which is which would be fun, but like, I don't know. I, I think it's going to be very, it'll be very, uh, very us if um, Muniz starts scoring a lot and then we decide, or, or one of our strikers starts scoring a lot and we decide that we don't need anyone in January. But I, I think mm. we definitely do. That was plain to see. Oh, 100%. Striker <laughs> and a winger, I think. Yeah. I mean, what did we think of um, Wilson? Because I think Wilson looked, was just exactly the sort of spark we needed without any disrespect to Bobby, as Sal was saying. But yeah, Wilson really, really looked like he had some of that confidence from the international break again in him. Yeah, no, I thought he looked good. He's he's always intrigued me as a player because I think, you know, he's he's got this dead ball ability, uh, which we haven't really seen too much of, to be fair, at Fulham. Uh, he had a great first season, didn't do... Too much. Well, he was obviously injured for part of last season, but he came in at the back end and started making a difference. I remember that Leeds game towards the end of the season; he did well in. And yeah, he just he does seem like a confidence player, and I think yeah, the recent international break will have done in the world of good, and hopefully he can you know start contributing a few more goals, assists. I know he got the one yesterday, but yeah, yeah. I really like watching him play. To be fair, I thought but I do think yeah we need someone else as well in in the window. Definitely. I mean, I don't know what's going on with Adama Traore. It seems like we've actually signed, well, obviously a free agent was fine, but I think he's obviously incredibly injury prone. So uh, hopefully, because well, I mean, that was the sort of game where I could imagine him coming on would have mm. really uh, helped things out a bit. And uh, alas, he was not there. I mean, Harrison Reed going straight back at you, Dylan. What are your thoughts on him in this game? You look a bit disappointed coming off the bench, as you naturally assume, but in a triple substitution. But I mean, for me... As much as I love the guy, we all love him and has how, how hard he works, he seems to me someone who actually might not necessarily be the right person to start games now. 
with next to Polinia. I don't know. I just want to know. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I see where you're coming from. I guess he may have just like plateaued a bit in terms of his overall development. I mean, you know, we've got we've got quite a good, you know, um, what six or seven midfielders we've got really. You know, we've got Polinia, Reed, Kearney, Pereira, Wobi, Lukic, who yeah, all do, you know. You know, slightly different, slightly different roles, but yeah, I, I just think it's finding the right one to go next to Polina. He's a bit unfortunate, Reed, because you know Polina's obviously irreplaceable. So that me and he's sort of playing in Reed's natural position anyway, I suppose. Um, and I know they can play two at the side, but it seems to me that you know he wants, you know, like a a, a six, an eight, and a ten, whatever that means. Um, but yeah, you know, sort of three midfielders doing slightly different jobs. So I think he's just been. Sort of, you know, he's he's not playing in his natural position, which maybe makes me look a bit nervier. But I did think, um, you know, obviously not content with coming off yesterday. Uh, but yeah, I, I I quite like Lukic as well. To be fair, I think he he looks really good. He's just dependable. He doesn't seem to do a lot wrong. Yeah, he just sort of works quietly behind the scenes. And he made a nice um, drive forward actually for us to nearly score again at one point. Um, when mm. Pereira tried to shoot it straight at the keeper. Yeah, that wasn't too bad. He so came on. Got... He came on right at the end, didn't he? Yesterday, Lukic. Yeah, very late. Time. Yeah. yeah. I think what I liked about well, what what I like about the midfield choices is the versatility that they all have. So we started with Palinia, Reed, and Iwobi, and then when we made changes after fifty-five minutes, so or fifty-eight minutes, and then Iwobi went eight, Andreas Pereira into the ten, and yeah. then. Just trying to get the order right. We then bought Kearney on and took Willian off. Yeah. And so then Awobi went wide left, Pereira in the 10 or in the 8, or, and Kearney in the middle in the 8 or 10. And then finally we took. Uh, I'm trying to get this right. Who did we bring Lukic on for? We bought Lukic Iwobi. on. Or, yeah, we took Awobi um, off, bought Lukic on. And then Pereira was the one who then went out wide, and then we had a midfield three suddenly of Lukic, Kearney, and Polinia. Nice. I think what that tells me tells us is you know Polinia is the constant in our midfield three. That there's no doubt about it. Injuries pending and suspensions pending. He is the constant. What two we have is probably entirely dependent on the type of opposition that we're playing. Yeah, horses. For and horses, I, I think it's still a puzzle that Marco's still trying to solve himself because we have, you know. We've actually got really deep midfield options now. You, you, you've listed them all there. There's there's a lot of options there. A lot of different combinations that you can have in front of Palinia. And it will involve a bit of tinkering, I think. And we've seen it in the last few lineups, actually. You know, we, we started Lukic last week, oh, last Monday against Spurs. Started a Wobi today. Pereira's on the bench. We might start next week. Um, it's still a lot of figuring out I think but then that's also kind of good unpredictability to have because when an opposition plays us they don't know what midfielder we're, what midfielder we're going to have and who's going to play and what their strengths will be that's true yeah I, I think that's that's a really good point I mean I'll be interested to know what the we'll come to it but I'll be interested to know what we're going to go for against Ipswich on Wednesday evening because I, I, that's that's a team that are still annoyingly in flying form and I don't think we should underestimate them whatsoever um, is there anything else we should be adding lads before we move on I'm trying to think of I mean this is obviously a very nice start to Marcus Silva's new contract I mean obviously it's just a draw but against a very very good team this is a really really good result and mm-hmm. it was just really good to see his substitutions uh, be so effective and I just it was yeah I was really really pleased with that and I, just one other thing I thought that do you think Bassi had a bit of an improved performance there Dylan it seemed like he has had Castagna helping him out a little bit more yeah uh, did you see that did you see the clip of him holding off Matoma and then Polinia came over like high-fiving him and shoving him I think I think that just shows really that you know he's obviously come from he's come from Ajax um Dutch league, yes, it's a sort of different style of football to the Premier League, um, and he's still just you know finding his feet as most new signings do take time to do. But yeah, I, and he's obviously playing out of position as well. I think you know, you know, with our centre back problems at the moment being what they are. I think Ajax um, could do with a defender right now. It seems to be getting worse. Well, yeah, I think they could right? do with players all over the pitch. To be honest, um, mm. maybe maybe a few that they uh, they sold for vastly overpriced to Manchester United. Actually, speaking um, of which, sorry to interrupt you. Is it um, Ajax that Brighton have got next week? Or like yeah, I went to the I went to the Brighton versus Ajax game on Thursday, actually. But yeah, because yesterday. <laughs> those are the comments um, that they keep making. Um, some of them, some of just the, the really sort of just ridiculous petty fans, just sort of saying like, "Well, never mind, got Ajax next week, so uh, 
fuck you, Philip. <laughs> you know, it's just yeah. like, just yeah. grow up, get to the final, yeah. and we'll talk. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we'll talk when you've uh, made, a, made a final, made out of the group stage, whatever. Um, yeah, no, Bassi was good yesterday. I think, you know, he's going to grow into the sides. Um, obviously, just needs games time. But yeah, I think yesterday he, he was really good. He, he dealt well with Matoma. Had a bit of help from Castagna, of course. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm really excited for what's to come from him. And I think, you know, once we get our sort of, um, you know, starters back, as it were, um, you mm. know, the Diop, Tete's of this world, uh, then he'll be a really good option either off the bench or, you know, being able to start in his favourite position. So yeah, excited sports to come, I'd say. I think he is kind of the natural successor to Reem, whether Reem continues next season or not, who knows. And I think what it's worth remembering is, yes, he didn't have the best game against Tottenham on Monday. He made those two mistakes. But at the same time, although it's Spurs, they're kind of top of the league at the moment. They're one of the best teams in the league at the moment. So not having the best game against one of the best teams, it's not, you can't really judge him fairly on that. And he is playing out of position. He's he's a left-footed centre-back who's probably only ever played at left-back or left centre-back in his career. He's suddenly playing in a right centre-back position, having to use his right foot a lot more. Which isn't even like, I mean, he's a professional footballer, so I wouldn't expect his weak foot to be bad anyway. But yeah. he he's, he's coping fine. And, you know, against Brighton, it was, he seemed comfortable. He, he did the job well. Still made one of his rewarding runs forward, which I actually I absolutely love to see, to be honest. He's just... He yeah, just bombs forward, and the opposition defence just don't know what to do. Because suddenly you get one of these, you get a centre back coming towards you. They don't train for this. They don't plan for this. What, what what do they do? Everyone starts to panic a little bit. One day that will pay off for us, and we'll get you know a big goal from that. And yeah, I would love to see him play more, um, even when the other centre backs are, are, are back and fit and firing. But you know, it's just whether whether he'll eventually displace Reem or not, which I think would kind of be the natural order of things eventually. That's the plan, I think, for sure. Yeah. I think um, so. We we were all aligned that Bessie had a much improved performance from obviously the last game. I, I think Robinson had a much improved performance from the, the last, well, the first half really. I mean, he turned it around. He won a lot of ground duels and interception. He obviously made that that clearance with his header at just towards the end. So he really, really changed my mind by the end of that because I was pretty pretty confident that he was the reason that we were going to lose that game um that was just a really sort of a really really bad passing and some dodge i mean actually we could talk about like i've just mentioned how you turned things around but we should talk about actually the goal that brian scored and we haven't mentioned it yet I mean, that was uh quite a just looked a bit easy for them didn't it Stato? it was so basic it kind of came out of nowhere like suddenly well in the first half most of the ball was in our was in our third you know, Brighton had a lot of the ball, they were passing it around. Didn't really create much, you know. They they had a lot of the ball, but not much actually happened with it. Mm. But then when that goal came, it was just a simple pass and suddenly Evan Ferguson just slid it into the net and it it didn't come out of nowhere, but it just felt like you said too easy. Like it was just all in that space and I it watched felt it like back. Robinson thought he was offside or something. Just Robinson wasn't close enough to him at all. It felt really weird. Oh, you can see Robinson was kind of caught in two minds almost because you could see that they had a winger on the other side. So he wasn't sure whether to kind of man up Ferguson or go to the left winger there. But then right. you know when when a chance like that happens and they're playing centrally, you obviously mark the closer man to the goal there. He should have just stuck to it, Ferguson got got goal side of him. That would have been prevented. You just got caught in two minds a bit there, I think. Mm. And yeah, it was just a really poor, sloppy goal. And it's what we've seen a lot of this season, where particularly in the first half for us, where we just aren't playing that well, don't look like scoring, and we look a bit soft there at times, and you know, just a bit underwhelming. Which made the second half all the more best that you know we were actually able to adapt and turn that around. Yeah, it was just so. It was just such a better second half. It was just so much better when we just gave it to them and actually just didn't, you know, didn't let them pass around. Actually, just play with some aggression. It was wonderful to see. Um, anything you want to add there, Dylan, in terms of uh, Robertson, or shall we? Would you like to move on? Yeah, I, I'm happy to move on. To be fair, I, I I thought you know yesterday game of two halves, and it's a very, very good point uh, at the end of the day. Yeah, because I, I'm, again, going on the social media, it did seem that everyone was saying, I can't, because this is when we were from a losing position, but everyone was saying, I can't see where we're going to get a point from the next four, the three or four fixtures. So uh, it's now, it's good to see we actually got that mm. point by the end of it. And um, last but not least, well, Stato, as a as a goalkeeper, do you, do you pretend to have pulled your hammy as much as Leno did back then? That was, that was really, really good fun to watch. 
it was good fun and it, I don't pretend to pull my hammy that much at all um, <laughs> don't think you'd get away with it in Sunday league level but what I will say about all that whole you can call it dark magic of football or something right. after those three subs came on and it's the thing that you know wrestled and wound up and upset the whole Brighton fans it was actually a really kind of smart move from Marco Silva I thought because we were they were you know Brighton they're a good team we're getting outplayed by them we're away from home we weren't getting the result you know, it's almost like he said to you know, Andreas Pereira Muse when he came on, like, just do everything you can just to while Brighton up. Slow the game down. Go down under every challenge. Hold your face. You know, do all that. And it worked in our favour because, yeah, it, suddenly the game, there was no flow to the game. It, it got broken up, which works in our favour because Brighton, like, you know, going with the flow and doing that free flow in football. That broke it up. It wound the whole stadium up. Like, the whole stadium was whistling and that probably affected Brighton players a bit because they were getting wound up themselves and, you know, it's the dark arts of football. It's not a bad thing if it works in your favour, I don't think. And I think that's what Marco Silva's really kind of good and you know, he knows how to time that well at that precise moment because before that was happening, that game was only going one way. So to do that yeah. was you know, people might say it's anti football or like what you know, dice ball or things little things like that, but it's not. It's just an intelligent way Absolutely. of turning the tide more in our favour. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed watching Marcus Silva looking quite Dracula-like with the rain falling on him as well, just with his sort of like looking looking through his eyes like so we could see his eyebrows sort of thing, that sort of, you know, death stare, just <laughs> looking out at the crowd. It was good. But I, I think now is a good time to actually move on to Ipswich. So after this music, we will go with our previews. Fulham. Okay, so Ipswich away. Uh, Carabao Cup. I'm going to this one, and I'm driving, and I kind of regret it to be honest, because it's going to be really hard to get out of London in time and drive through <laughs> Rotherhive Tunnel and just all this traffic to get all the way up there. I'm also going to be raining find... as well. It'll be raining as well, and I've got to pick up Morgan from somewhere. I think he's going to meet me at like Bermondsey Station. It's all going to be quite hectic, and then. Sounds as if I won't be back till midnight or so. So I, it could be, if we don't win, it could be really, really, really disappointing. Dylan, um, any you should probably keep this short, really. But I mean, any any overriding thoughts you have on this game or how strong we might line up for it? Um, well, I just would probably say just don't underestimate them. To be fair, they obviously came up from League One last year, flying in the Championship. Uh, I think they're, they're second at the moment. I think. Um, I think eight or nine points clear of the leads, I think it is in third. Uh, you know, they've got Kieran McKenna as their manager, ex United coach. I think he might have been Man United he might have been Man United's best coach, actually, ironically. Right. Uh, he's now Ipswich. But um I don't know, a few good players. Um Brandon Williams on loan from Man U. Uh, they just seem to, you know, a bit like us when we first when we came up under Yukanovic, uh, they've just they've uh, they found a system that works for them and they've now got the players. Uh, and I think a bit of financial backing from Ed Sheeran as well. So, um, yeah. yeah, I just don't underestimate them. But I think we should be winning this one, to be fair. But um, let's see. They did Wolves in the last round, so you never know. Yeah, I, I'm trying to get this right, Stato. Um You can maybe correct me if I'm wrong. I'm sure everyone listening will scream and say, you fucking idiot, it's not that. But it seems to me that it, they haven't lost a game since the 26th of August against Leeds United 4-3. Um, uh, I'm going to say yeah. That sounds yeah, about. I've, I've got the same. Why. You've got the same. Okay. Um, Look, it's still the championship, and I shouldn't be that worried. But it's just going away. I don't know what it's ever been like physically to go to this ground. It's my first time there. That's why I decided to go. Um, but I can imagine the crowd are going to be really up for this. And um, look, I think we probably are a superior team. We are, of course, we're a superior team. I don't even need to think about that it's just more the occasion that I'm worried about and like you say the weather and just uh, yeah it, it could it, it has all the elements of a bit of an upset doesn't it yeah funny team of Ipswich I remember I saw a stat I think it might still be true but I think they're one of the only teams left in the football league who still haven't been to the new Wembley yet and, <laughs> really okay know you know that means that well they haven't been to a final but it also means there's been a lack of you know playoffs going on as well and what that tells me about Ipswich is that for years particularly in the early noughties and you know, the 2010s and whatnot. They were just a team in the championship, not really doing much, just kind of there to make up the numbers. Mm. And then they eventually slipped and fell through the chapter and got relegated to League One. And they've got some new American investors in now. And since that's happened, obviously they've got Kieran McKenna, who is 
as Dylan mentions, it's a highly top-rated coach that came from Manchester United. He's got them flying. And you see it every now and then in lower leagues where a team gets promoted and they just carry on that momentum. And, you know, they go from League 2 to League 1 to the Championship. You see that quite a lot. You don't see it as often from League 1 to the Championship. I think it was Southampton who last did that. Yeah, um, it was. Nigel with Adkins, Lambert was and Yeah, Adkins with Licky Lambert and a young Adam Lallana. And... Yeah, they're not showing signs of slowing down yet. I remember when the draw was made a few weeks back, and we were like, oh, God, he's in such a way, they're really flying. And I said, well, hang on. With the, with how cup draws go is, you know, we won't, we won't be playing them in a few weeks' time. In a few weeks' time, their form could be trash, and suddenly we could be, you know, the overwhelming favourites. But that hasn't happened. They <laughs> they are winning a lot of games at the moment. Um, and they are keeping it up. And, you know, they're staying ahead of, recently relegated teams like Southampton and Leeds you know the championship does look quite competitive this year and yes yeah, they're not a team to be underestimated I don't think and I think they'll go full strength when we play them because for them it's a good kind of test to see what where they're actually at they're playing us a, a mid-level Premier League team how you know they'd want to see how they actually are faring and how they you know stack up as a team who are currently second in the championship. So it'll be, a, it'll be a tough game, I think. Do you think, Dylan, that Jimenez might start this game? Do you think someone might say, look, if you can't score now against Ipswich, then this is, this is that's it. I've had enough. And I, I can maybe see potentially maybe... What song are you listening to? That sounds good. No, it's a, it's a, it's a compilation of Joao Polini yesterday. It's accidentally started playing on my phone. Oh, right. Okay. Yes. Um, well, I mean, sorry about I think, that. No, that's fine. It happens to the best of us, man. It really does. Don't worry. Um, I, think, yeah, but, I mean, yeah. I can see. I can um, see. I can see um, potentially Willian maybe being rested for this game. You could put Bobby on that side. Yeah. What do you think? <clears throat> yeah, I, I imagine there'll be rotation throughout, and I, I do think as much as I want Munis to, you know, get a full ninety minutes or at least start a game, uh, I do think you will say to him and Ez, look, you, if you can't score here against a Championship side, where I, I, I doubt there'll be, you know. A massive crowd there from Ipswich, and there won't be too much pressure on Ipswich to win the game either. I don't really know; it might be completely wrong, uh, but yeah, that you might just be saying that if you can't score here, we're going to have to, you know, look, look going forwards in the Premier League. So obviously, we've got a big game against Man U next Saturday, mm. um, and he'll want to know who he's who's going to be starting up front there then, because I imagine it's not, you know, set in stone at the moment. And there's no word on the Diop injury, is there, Stato? I think it looks like we'll probably continue with Reuben Bassi as the centre-backs again. Potentially. I just don't think this whole oh, yeah. idea of putting Fugerol or uh, Figueroles or Fugerol or whatever, however we're going to pronounce it, I just think, you know, a 17 or 18-year-old, sorry, as a right-back who can sometimes play a centre-back, who has only played games that are relatively meaningless in terms of Premier League uh, pre-cup friendlies in America, I don't think that that's it. So I feel like Bassi and Reuben will have to be the way forward still yeah I, I agree to an extent but at the same time yes we should be taking the League Cup seriously and we will take it seriously I think so yeah but playing him in a you know in a game against championship opposition albeit very good championship opposition that's kind of the way we should be doing things to try and integrate youth players isn't it you know give them a chance yeah. have him next to Reem who's a really experienced defender that's a good way to integrate him into the first team and to potentially look to give him a few more minutes because otherwise we'll just have him in the bench every other week and he just won't play. It's more the case of if um, Rodak will be ahead of Burton Leno, mm-hmm. which we imagine we will because he has been so far. So if, if Rodak's there and then you've got uh, Fugerol in front of him with Ream, it just suddenly feels a bit, ah. Um, I mean, but... you, you mentioned he's a right-back converted to centre-back. He, we could well see him starting at right-back tomorrow. Um, well, maybe. Wednesday, yeah. you know, because if Tete's out injured and we want to get Castagna a rest, start him at right-back instead and continue with Bassi and Ream. Yeah. I think, you know... The, I guess what we're trying to say here is I would wouldn't be opposed to seeing him start in some capacity, be that a right back or centre back. I just yeah, it'd be good to see. I think. I just want to say, I, I, like, going off topic, but well, no, we're on topic, but it's just we should have said this earlier. Castagna has been brilliant. I really mm. love Castagna and what he's been doing. I think he's an absolute steal for what we've done. A really true bit of business. Um, anyway, just want to say, do you think Dylan Polina will start this game? I think he started the last game as well against Norwich, and I feel like that that's something that yeah. I think that might continue. I think yeah, he, he obviously just um, he's at the base for the midfield. Like whatever happens, he's always there, isn't he? Which I guess you know um, provides the other two midfielders with a bit of knowledge that um, 
you know, they can go forward if they want because he's going to be there to cover them. Um, you know, because, you know, aside from Reed, uh, Pellini is the only defensive midfielder we've got and all of the others seem to like to, you know, go forward or would go forward given the opportunity. Um, so, yeah, I imagine he'll start. Um, I think it will be, um, you know, a rotated side, but there's still a few strong names in there because we'll want to win this one um, just as much as they will, of course. Um, it's a good chance to, you know, progress into a competition that we haven't really made many inroads into for years now to be fair yeah. I mean even the FA Cup we've uh, well we were quarterfinals last season um, but apart from, yeah Cup success hasn't really been our thing over the last I don't know 10 years or so maybe well yeah it seems to be getting stronger and stronger at the moment well I say stronger and stronger from last season mm. so if, if we well can... yeah we're doing better at least now <laughs> I but, think Silver will yeah. take it seriously 100% like you say I just hope we can uh... I, I think it could be cagey but I think we'll probably will win and I hope that me and Morgs will actually have a nice journey home rather than just talking about how you know I think we'll put out a strong team but we'll see fringe players play we'll see Roldak play yep. Ballard Torway will start at left back great yep he was good. We, we, Reed and Lukic, I want to say, will start. Whether that will be in place of Polinia remains to be seen. Uh, Wilson, would imagine he will start on the wing. If Adama is back and fit, which I don't think he will be, I would like to see him start, but I don't think he will. I don't think he's fit or available. Um, and then, yeah, it's just the question mark of who will play up top. Um, Will we give Jimenez the Havertz treatment where we get a penalty and we we give it to him so he can try and get a goal? Yeah, like Arsenal did the other day with with Havertz. Or you know, will we give Munez those minutes? I, I don't know. It's I'd like to see. Munez I can see both sides of the yeah. I can see both sides of the arguments, but I'd be more inclined to give Munez minutes. I think. Well, I mean, let's move on then. Let's go on to the next preview. Let's go to Manchester United because some people are saying that Munez should maybe even be given a start against them, and like what what a lap of confidence that would be to get to potentially ignite him from Marcus Silva. And you know, I watched the Manchester derby yesterday. I mean, this I, I I've got Dylan. The, Ten Hag doesn't look like someone who's going to be there the full season. I mean, I, I, I've said real clangers before and made really bad predictions before, but it just looks like they have got this attacking manager in that they thought they were going to get, and they are reverting to kind of pre-Solskjaer uh, yeah, levels of it's, crap. It's so weird, isn't it? It's like, you know, you think, what is what is their style of play? And there's no there's no definitive answer. It's not like, you know... Uh, Ange Postecoglou's coming at Spurs and managed to turn around that sinking ship. Um, you know, yeah. even like Deserve it, Bryson's come in and you know, Graham Potter. They all had distinct styles of play. And then I think what's even weirder, to be fair, is Eric Ten Hag says, oh, you know, we're not going to play Ajax football because they don't have the same players. But then they sign Anthony for 80 million. They've bought, I don't know, Van der Beek. Uh, Ten Hag's bought Lissandro Martinez. Onana was at Ajax. Um, so you do wonder, really. It's like, what are you aiming for? And I do. And uh, Gary Neville just spouting some more weird stuff about, you know, uh, the club's a mess and how you, how can you um, how can you perform um, when you know there's all this sort of you know talk of a takeover and people are scared they might lose their jobs and whatnot. But yes. I don't know. Postacoglu's Cog- Posta been there for three months, say, and Senag's been there for what eighteen and. Yeah, I don't know. We've seen far more results from like a Postecoglou Spurs side than we have from Ten Hag's United in Spurs, what, a fraction of the time. Spurs had a director of football who'd been arrested or something. I'm not arrested, but just yeah, exactly. banned from FIFA. But that just shows, <laughs> like, yeah, like you can. T- it's not like you're stuck in. You're permanently stuck in a rut until the Glazers go. Uh, that can't be the answer. I understand it might be a problem, but yeah, it's just weird. I do think we can, we can beat them on next Saturday. I think at home it's, we've got a great chance. Um, we just need to turn up, and the fans will need to turn up as well. I think the it's not wholly on Ten Hag. The whole club is a bit of a mess, and I think any United fan you'd speak to would agree with you on that. Recruitment's been poor. Always is. Um, there's kind of no there's no collective shared vision from the club up down to the manager, which kind of applies to us at the moment as well with everything going on with our own little drama. Not as much, but there's still that kind of you know, disparity. But with United in particular. They're there for the taking. They're they're a club that are, from their standards, in disarray a bit. I saw a tweet earlier where they, in the league, they play us, Everton and Luton. Or us, Luton first and then Everton. And all the fans are saying, if we don't get nine points from that, then Ten Hag is gone. And we're included in that. But we're we're the hardest of those fixtures. 
and we've got an opportunity there to kind of self you know self inflict a really big kind of wound on United season and yeah. Even a draw, I would take those stats. I mean, I, I would love to beat them so yeah. much. But I mean, I, I'm so pissed off with Man United. I, I usually don't mind them so much. I usually just think, oh, it's just Man United. They're just so far above us, whatever. I don't care. But it's just the last three the three games we had them last season, including the FA Cup game. Of course, the FA Cup game. But also just how Garnaccio just stole it from us and a point from us at Craven Cottage last last season. Yeah, it's, and, it's always annoyed me with the United the, because... No matter how shit they've been playing and how well we play, they always seem to beat us. And yeah, it's, it's not really just us annoying. though; it's other teams. They were better. They were like Brentford were better than miles better yeah. than, them and they still oh, managed to yeah. score. Incredible. Yeah, they, they managed Even against to win um, Copenhagen yeah. in midweek, they were they were awful. It really annoys me. Uh, it really and, uh, annoys yeah, me. Yeah, then Maguire pops up, and then they're all saying, "Oh, Maguire," and Onana sort of, "Oh, how, look how well they've redeemed themselves." And, but for 89 it's, minutes of that game, they were. It's one of those where it's, it's Manchester United. There's no doubt they're one of the biggest clubs in England in the world. Yeah. So, you know, they. This they, is Manchester they, United. This is, that Manchester reminds United. me of that meme. <laughs> this is yeah. no, no, this is Manchester United is we're Manchester. talking about. It's just the classic and, pundit quote. Go on. Yeah, and that at the moment they get they get dipped three 0 by Man City, and that's that's a that's a you know a catastrophe for them, and it's not the stance they should be at, but. They're still, they're great, but they're still a top half, top six, top eight Premier League team. So when they play teams like Burnley, where they get a scratch of 1-0 win, like Sheffield United, where they play us and they may beat us, or, or where they beat us last year, it's wins that they are getting, but they should be expecting to get more, and they should be doing better at, rather than you know scraping through 1-0, you know, Garnacho scoring a 90th minute go against us. That's what's expected of them, but what should also be expected of them is that they beat us three 0 or something like that, and that's not happening. And mm, mm. that gap's I think this year more than ever, they, that gap is even has got narrower now because of the injuries that they have and the poor recruitment that they've done. So there is kind of that. I think there's more of an opportunity to beat them this time around than there was last time. I can predict. I, I've got, well, I'm not predicting. I'm just hoping I can predict. There'll be goals on either side. I think Awobi will score for us. And I'm saying that mainly because he's in my fantasy team. Um, you know I'm, what? I, th- I think the opposite more of the fact that United can't score and we can't really score. I kind of screams a bit of a nil-nil, doesn't it? Well, I'd like that. I would like that. I've got I've got this thing, unless he's injured and I'm missing something, it just screams like Mason Mount could score in this game because oh, he's exactly, done piss all. Yeah. Because yeah. it's just one of those games where you can imagine, oh, here he is. He shows up against us. For, you know, that sort of thing. It's like if, if Arsenal played as a Craven coach right now, I could I could count on Havertz to score a hat-trick or something. Yeah. You know what I mean? Or, or Martial to score or something. Yeah. yeah, something rubbish like that. Yeah. I could really see it. But that being said, and as Dylan said, I am actually confident we can grab something with their form at the moment for sure um it's going to be it's going to be an issue and i think we're obviously i think we'll just probably we don't need to talk about the lineup because we know what our best on you know our best 11 would be unless you you do something really wacky stats or and throw in like someone from the youth academy but i don't yeah. think that's going to be the i case. think you know going back to what we talked about earlier how we have those midfield options there is an element of well what midfield two will we go for in front Polinia? I think for a game like this, Lukic will be a sensible choice. We'll need his presence in midfield, yeah. particularly against Casemiro, Eriksen, Bruno. Having him there will be really useful, kind of a bit more of an enforcer role alongside Polinia. And then uh, I'm torn between Pereira or Iwobi for this one. Uh, yeah, I'd be inching more towards Pereira. I think. Well, this is the thing I was thinking because I feel like Iwobi starting uh, the last game made Pereira come on and think, right, I'm going I'm to give this for the beans now. And I feel like if you did that again and had a Wobi star as the 10, I don't think this will happen, but and especially against Pereira's old club, when Pereira gets subbed on, he'll absolutely give it, give them what for, maybe. Yeah. Maybe, I don't know. Maybe. But... I think we could also maybe see a Wobi out on the wing as well. Like You see them both start. Yeah, I could see that. It will be Pereira and William perhaps behind, well, in front of Polina and, I don't know, Reed or, or maybe Kearney even. I fancy Reed though in that game just because of his, you know, stronger defensive attributes than, than Kearney. Yeah, for sure. And plus Kearney, I think you know he's he's great off the bench, and when he's playing across ninety minutes, it's, it's perhaps not the quite quite the same effect. We he just... did come off uh, the bench against United last year and got got the assist for Dan James. Did he now? I think so. Oh, nice. I I, I I've got to say I'm also worried about 
Marcus Rashford suddenly becoming good again against us. I mean, like he just he seems so wasteful at the moment in front of goal. I know he scored for England recently in the internationals, etc. But like he just seems like someone. I hopefully Tete or Castagna can pocket like they tend to usually do against. Uh, uh, that's gonna be one of those where he's gonna like score and people can be like Rashford's back. And he's gonna do this finger to the head celebration down at the hammy end. And... Just more Man United yeah. driven nonsense throughout the media. Just it's it's completely boring. Um, mm. I think we'll. We'll call it a day on that, lads, unless you have anything extra you want to add about United. Anything at all? I think the... Go on, Stato, if you're like you say something there. No, I was just trying to think of some United pun, but I've got nothing. <laughs> I've got nothing. No, it's all right. We'll, we'll, do, we'll do that for the podcast where we name a title. That's 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 what we're about. That's yeah. that's where we make our money. But I will say, obviously, we've got the... It's amazing what um, a Marcus Silva contract and... A nice, um, a nice result away at Brighton, and hopefully, hopefully, a win at Ipswich could do because we've all forgotten about the ticket and the yellow card raising thing, haven't we? Um, at Man United, this, uh, this, oh, yeah, the the yellow cards. Yeah, now that is something I think, even though we've all forgotten, and people might be thinking, "Oh, I'm not as angry about it now." Funny that, and or if even that people have some money, you know, still in their accounts and not too worried about the rise rising prices and if you're not worried about the future rises then just do it for your mates who are struggling just just raise that yellow card because it's it's really important even if you're not concerned about money be concerned about your mates still attending and just raise it because it will be a big statement and it will it'll be a nice nice statement to show that we we as fans are united and make a good strong protest even if we lose that game so i think that's um i think that's really important really important so with that being said, do you want to say something else there, Dylan? I felt you were going to... No, I, I don't think so. I was just thinking about if I'd paid 150 quid and then I, I turned up and, and saw Anthony Martial score a 97-minute winner, I'd probably break down in tears, but... Yeah, quite. Yeah. I just don't want no, Anthony no. to score. I can't stand yeah, him. Yeah, oh, God. Yeah, that would be the worst one, I think. Yeah, I can't yeah. stand him. Do you see him punch, um, like just like sort of punch down uh, Doku's arms when uh, yeah. he gave him the finish? Yeah, yeah. I remember Anthony doing that to a kind of similar action to Robinson in the FA Cup game. It really made me annoyed. So I'm glad mm. he got some. And he's their uh, second most expensive signing ever. He's, and he's just horrible. He's absolute toilet. He's terrible. Absolute little rat. There's Rubbish. a little game that a few of my mates did the other day where it's like, can you name a Premier League winner? That you'd rather have other Anthony, like the most obscure Premier League winner. How far down can you go? And I think any pretty, any Premier yeah. League era, just... uh, any Premier League era, like what winner oh, would you right. rather have over Anthony? And like we got to do, like names like um, I, I obviously bashed off a few Fulham ones. I was like, oh, uh, Ashkan de Jagger, I'd have him over Anthony because yeah. he's just not a very good player. I don't want to jinx that touchwood. Touch Honestly, no. Andros Townsend, Townsend for Luton is a better signing than Anthony. Yeah, exactly. You know, mm. I mean, I, yeah, I'd Nathan, be more excited. Nathan Redmond at Burnley. Yeah, 100%. 100%. So, yeah. Yeah, piss off, Anthony. Anyway, thank, thanks very much. This has been a good pod, lads. It's really good to see you. And we will be back. We'll be back with, obviously, a reaction to Manchester United and whatever happens at Ipswich. If you like what we're here, please tell your friends about us. We'll be back next week. And, yes, remember to please raise those yellow cards. Speak to you soon. Take care.